Viktor Frankl said, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Stay tuned for the next hour as Sue explores the human psyche, what makes us tick and how to live better, more fulfilled and more meaningful lives. Only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson and it's so nice to be back in the studio. And my guests today are Bev Miller, who's from King David Linksfield, uh, the life orientation uh, teacher, and Karen Horowitz, who's a student psychologist. Um, is that right, Karen? And educational and educational, sorry, as educational psychologist. And our topic today is search for self. And the reason why we're doing this is because October is the month of mental awareness. And I was very privileged to be invited to the uh, assembly at King David Linksfield. And it was called the Awareness Assembly, which was incredibly moving. I was totally blown away by it. And the headline was, <coughs> Stand Up to Stigma. And the students were encouraged to tell their stories. It was, in uh, in many ways, a tribute to Adam Seif, who tragically took his own life uh, a few months ago this year. And um, the, the, uh, what absolutely amazed me, Karen, to tell you the truth, was how honest the pupils were. They had such courage to stand up and talk about their own pain. Yes. How did this all come about, this whole assembly? Um, Bev, I, I think I'm going to ask you to talk about it because it was very much a project of... Um, the Awareness Committee, of which Bev is a coordinator. So she can tell you a little bit more about the assembly in and of itself. Great. And then we can talk a little bit more about the greater issue as okay, well. That's good. Okay. Bev, tell me about it. First of all, I was invited by Meryl Malkin, who's the head of the social services there, and by Lorraine Schrager, the principal. So I was very honored to be invited. And I, I might add, I cried throughout. Yeah, so did we all. <laughs> um, okay, so... The awareness committee, you know, the school has seven committees. So Marilyn and I are the coordinating staff that run or that help to oversee the awareness committee. The committees are all student-driven committees. Sorry, Mrs. The committees are all student-driven committees. And the awareness committee's um, motivation and um, brief, basically, is to make the children aware of lots and lots of issues that are pertinent to their lives in and outside of the school environment. Okay, so, and in and out of the King David bubble. That's really what they want to do. So um, each week they have aware news. They have lots of segments in assemblies and we have a human rights assembly at the beginning of the year and we did a cancer awareness week. We do many awareness projects in the year and because it's Mental Health Awareness Month, we were always doing a mental health awareness assembly in October. Right. And so this mental health awareness assembly became in honor of Adam Seif, but it was always to break the stigma of mental awareness, of mental health. So it was illness. there already. But isn't it yeah. amazing how one person's tragedy mm -hmm. can open up healing? For such a vast majority of people, when I think mm. of how around the the globe, 
literally communities were coming together to discuss 100%. this and also to to bring mental awareness and suicide into their own schools and own communities. Mm. So, Bev, how did you encourage them then to actually put this together, or did they encourage you? What was it? A <laughs> it's a combination. It's, it's a combination. It's a combination. So, the head of the committee, um, Leora Porter, is she's. They, they have. We have our student leaders that head each committee, and they have like a brainstorming session where they decide, and we all help them and then they put it to the committee and everybody comes with ideas of what they're going to do. So there was a whole mental health awareness week. So the one day was um, depression and anxiety day. And then on that day they had a meditation in the morning and they had like positive messages every day and all kinds of um, affirmations during the day and explanations of what it is and how to break the stigma. And you don't know what's going on. Everybody's got their issue. Everybody's Everybody's dealing with something that you don't know nothing about, so don't judge and always be kind to people and just to encourage that kind of awareness around everybody because everyone is suffering something that you don't know, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and that invisible illness, isn't it? Well, that's the problem with mental illness mm-hmm. is that you can't see it. Like, like Laura said, if there's a broken bone, you can see it. Everyone can feel sorry for you, whereas if you're... If your mind is broken, no one knows, and that pain is very real, and yet nobody can help you mm. and you feel it's a very lonely mental illness is a very lonely illness so we're trying to make it that it's that it's okay to say it's okay to share it's okay to be not okay mm. that's basically was that the stigma out of it and, and the, the one day i see that you had which i i loved also was um body awareness day yeah yes now, what did body you do image, day. image day yeah. yes yeah. so they did um they had those um, mirrors that distort your, that distort how you look. Oh yes. Around all around the school, and then they had weightlifting. They had a whole lot of things to make the boys see that, like, because they're very busy making their muscles big and making themselves look how they, because there's such competition and mm. there's this whole body dysmorphia issue. And and then there was a a girl who had an eating disorder, and she gave a talk. In the amphitheater to a whole lot of kids went to listen where she said her story. She actually told them how she became anorexic or bulimic. I was, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go listen to her, but she actually told them what her, she actually said her story, mm. which was unbelievably brave of her and very revealing and enlightening for the people who went to hear her. So, so what was the feedback that you had? Karen, did you have feedback from students after? those different days that you had? Yes, a lot of direct feedback and indirect feedback. I I think the indirect feedback is around just being okay to speak about the fact that you're not okay, Um, that it's okay not to have a good day, that it's acceptable to not feel so great about yourself or to feel anxious or to feel down. So it really, really opened up so many avenues for, for children just to feel that sometimes being not okay is acceptable and and we can reach out for support and help as well. Mm. And that is normal. And absolutely that Mm. it is normal. You know, I'm sure that um, many of us have issues, our own issues that we do deal with, and some would like to actually send messages through to us. We have SMS 34519. Or you can telegram us on 061 
895 Now, who actually put these different days together, Bev? Because okay. that's the children. They oh. say their days. So in our committee meetings, they decide which days they're having, and then they have little subcommittees, and they decided they worked so hard, and they were so incredibly committed. They were amazing. So they had little subcommittees who's doing self, and then they had like self-esteem day where they had to, they made um, little bracelets that mm. said priceless. I think they were priceless tags that they gave everybody as they walked into school. So they sat and made ribbons that said priceless, and they gave every child as they walked in a priceless tag. To show that, to show that everybody unique. is unique and everybody is worthy of, everyone's amazing. And then they did a self-esteem exercise. In the tutor groups like that, they had to all write something positive about the person next to them and then then they all read them out I am what they said what the other person said about themselves to make them mm. to just to what boost a their self esteem um and then um the next day was autism awareness day where they got all the kids to in the school to write messages to there's a I've forgotten the name now there's a school for autistic children so our children wrote positive messages to the children at that school mm. and then they delivered them this is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. I have in my guest, uh, as my guests today, Bev Miller and uh, Karen Horowitz from King David High School, Linksfield, and we're talking about Search for Self, and we're actually talking about the awareness assembly that King David hosted, and uh, which was amazing for the children, and they put it together. And Bev, you were talking about the autism day that they were having mm. before we went to advert. Just yeah. go back to that a okay, moment. So they had an autism awareness day. So each day was in Mental Health Awareness Week. They had four days of each day they did something different. And the committee divided into lots of little committees. And each day a, couple, a few children ran that particular day. But then the whole committee gets involved. And then they involved all the children of the school. They all wrote notes. And they all, they all wore their bracelets. And they, they, they involved everybody. And then the assembly involved lots of children that, like the dance was... The people that did the dance aren't in the awareness committee. They are dancers from other committees and mm. people who sang. Do you know what I mean? It's not mm. only awareness committee children that were involved. They ran the assembly and all the people who spoke were in our assembly, obviously by the guests. But the dancers, the singers, they were yeah. from other committees. Mm. Which Everybody was collaborates, yes. That, it was, that was amazing to see, quite honestly. Mm. And one of the things that really... Uh, I found it was was fantastic, and I do feel that King David is working very hard towards this. Is uh, it's a, and they even mentioned it that it's to create the safe space at the school, mm-hmm. a school focused on love and belonging and connection. Karen, how are you going to ca- carry this forward? This assembly, this the momentum that the, the assembly had, the awareness assembly. How are you going to take that forward into the future for the school? So, Sue, there are already a lot of programs in place, which I'm going to briefly outline, and then we've got quite a big project that we're launching next year. So, already in the school, um, each grade has various preventative programs. We have an anti-bullying program, um, a program focused on addiction, um, all kinds of addiction, not just substance abuse. 
um, we do quite a lot of screenings, career and subject choice screenings um, and self-esteem type work. But the big focus for next year is going to be on resilience. Mm. And, um, you know, this was in the pipeline anyway, but even more so, it's it's really relevant. I think that we're living in such a an uncertain world and we never know what kind of skills our children are going to need in the future. But what we can give them is the strength and the skills to be able to cope with whatever comes their way. So that's really um, a big, big focus. And so where do you feel resilience comes from? So we can help build it, mm. but it certainly is something that we hope to build within children so that ultimately as adults, um, they can go into the world with the certainty and knowledge that they can manage what comes their way and they're not going to fall apart. I, I feel that that is such a, a crucial skill and a confidence that you have knowing that you can manage. Absolutely. You know, George Bernard Shaw said, life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. I like mm. that. And I think that's very much what resilience is. It's to actually recognize the choices we have within us yes. to become the best we can become. Yes. Which doesn't mean to say we have to be the best scholar, exactly. the best sportsman, but the best person <clears throat> we can become. Exactly. And I love to, when I work with teenagers and young adults individually, I love to use the analogy of a jigsaw puzzle, that somehow we have so many different pieces and they all come together and our lives come together in such different ways, but that's all part of the bigger picture. So I love to tell them, and I'm going to say this on air because <laughs> I'm not embarrassed, yeah. that um, I you know, was never a particularly good math student and it was a very frustrating thing for me, but it didn't matter because I believe that part of what I'm supposed to be doing is as a psychologist um, helping people I don't mm. need to be very good at maths for that But I have other skills So to, 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 very important for kids to identify What are they good at Go, Going where the love is Where are the areas where they, they feel supported and cared for Where they feel good at what they do Where they feel mm. competent And where they have a purpose Absolutely mm. Absolutely mm. And I think this is also something that King David is very good at, um, the, the tikkun olam, yes. the reaching out to others. And I think we can look, you know, Jewish organizations yes. worldwide and certainly in South Africa, we reach out to many, many other groups as well. And I think uh, the different Jewish day schools doing this actually brings a different dimension into their lives as well. For sure. I think that, as Bev said, it takes you out of the bubble, mm. but it also gives you a sense of perspective. I think we focus so much on what we lack and what's difficult for us, but when you really see what's out there and what some of the difficulties some people have to face, it really hopefully develops a sense of gratitude. Mm. And also that you're, you, it gives you meaning. You have a reason to go out there because you're helping someone or contributing mm. in some way. And Viktor Frankl said, actually, to reach out uh, to others is to heal ourselves. It's yes. to reach within. And that's very true. Yes. And we know adolescents, I mean, it's developmental. They're very, very self-focused. Absolutely. Um, and we know that and we understand that. But we want to give them the bigger picture. Mm. And we want to give them a sense of of where in their lives they can make that kind of difference. Where are their skills and where mm. are their strengths? 
And what do you see, Bev, for the arts? Because well, that was that came across very strongly in the assembly, mm. the the power of drama, of art, Absolutely. of singing, music. Mm. And the one student who spoke about Adam said he, they didn't particularly they didn't really know him, but that he loved drama, mm. and that but behind drama you often wear these many masks. Behind someone, they said we're not Adam. But we are all Adam because yeah. of the masks we do wear. Yeah. He, he also said if you've ever been the one left out, yes. then you know Adam. The if other. You've ever been, if you've ever been different. Right. Then you, you know Adam. If you, yeah. If you haven't, if you, if you've ever felt like you don't fit in, if you've, you know, if you've ever felt like you aren't the same as everybody else, that's how, that's how he identified with Adam. Mm-hmm. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson. Only on 101.9 High FM. Our topic today is search for for self, and my guests are Bev Miller and Karen Horowitz, uh, both from King David um, School, Lingsfield. And we've been talking about the Mental Awareness, the Awareness Assembly, and Mental Awareness Month. Bev, just going back to you, you were saying about how arts and drama mm-hmm. and how they had said that you might not uh, be a- Adam, but we are all, in many ways, Adam. Yes. Just go back to that. Um, so what he what he said was that he, it's difficult. He wasn't. He wasn't. He was saying that if you are, everybody can identify with somebody who feels like they don't fit in. Mm. And even though nobody knew when Adam was at school that he felt like he didn't fit in. He obviously did. His mom, I mean, she was incredibly brave. His mom spoke at the assembly. She was amazing. She really was amazing. And that's, I mean, I really want to thank her for her bravery and for being so open and so willing to come and speak to our children to really help them to move on and to, and to be like a, um, to be of assistance to the future generation so that it shouldn't be. That there's another Adam. Absolutely. Yeah. And Jodie, you really were a beacon of light there. She really in was. In the darkness. I mean, you know, you really, the what courage. Unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. Courage. So, um, in terms, in terms of that, it wasn't to, it wasn't to highlight, it wasn't to highlight the negative. It was to highlight the fact that if you are that person, then you are, you, you are also welcome and you, there is a safe space for you and don't, Keep it in. Mm-hmm. Come and share it so you can express it. Be a dancer. Be a singer. Be yourself. There is a safe space. You don't need to hide it and you don't need to pretend it isn't there. And we will walk beside you. That's in right. Your you ju- are accepted. Exactly. There mm-hmm. is a safe space. You are accepted. And there is, there is a place for you. Because that's the thing. There is a place for everybody at that school. And that came across very strongly when the one pupil said uh, that 46% percent of youth um, have actually had a mental problem, a mental illness mm-hmm. problem. And she said, look around the room yeah. and you'll see it's almost half of you. Yeah. Well, I looked around all of us adults and I thought, it's actually more than half of us. <laughs> 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 what did you think about that, Karen, that 46 percent? It's scary, isn't it's it? It's quite a scary thought. And I think what's more scary is that people feel so alone in that journey. Mm. Um, and I wanted to go back to what you were saying, Bev, about each of us 
has an Adam in us. I think there's such a drive to be like everybody else. But but who is this everybody else? In mm-hmm. fact, we're all different. We're all made up of very unique components and strengths and weaknesses. And, and that's okay. You don't have to be the same as somebody else in order in order to be of value to our world and to our school. So we we so much want to take the focus away from only just achievement in in standard areas, for example, academic, or and really about what, what are you as a human being? What are your unique strengths and purposes? Please let us know what your unique ideas are on Telegram 061 895-1019 or SMS on 34519. We would love to hear from you. I think what you're saying about the, the loneliness of a journey is often um, overlooked mm. because of the pretense that goes with mental illness, because of the stigma attached. So that, you know, you become so wrapped up in pretending to be the person that you think think other people want you to be and I think that social media has made that so much worse because there's such a projection out into the world of what you know what life you're living and what fun you're having and that's what people see so 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 many teenagers that I've seen um, will come and say you know Karen everybody else is out there having a good time and I'm the only one who's miserable you know what 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 is very privileged for me is that, that I know the backstory. I really know what's going on in people's lives if they've come to share it with me, and it's not what they're projecting out into the world, but that's what teenagers believe everybody else is is mm. doing. Mm. So it makes it worse, and we do know that that social media has sometimes increasingly made people more isolated in their feelings. Do you feel that it's stopped, uh, if you, you can see it in, in, at school, I'm sure. Do you feel that it's stopped a lot of the connections between pupils? Whereas before, they would make, uh, verbal connections or eye connection, whatever. Mm. Now it's, you know, the, on the <coughs> SMS. Or Definitely. Mm. And it was quite interesting. Um, Bev will, will bear me out. Mm. We, we run a, a career, um, a work shadow program for our grade 11s and one of the tasks and we, we have very intentionally set this task is they have to phone um, a potential <laughs> um, employer to set up their appointment. Now for for these children, this was one of the, the biggest traumas. They said, can't they just send an email or can't they just send a message? Because, I mean, I'm using that as an example, but mm. People are not used to reaching out and having a telephone conversation with somebody, Mm -hmm. never mind a one-on-one connection. That is so true. Quite honestly, you know, we have a a, a policy at home that on Shabbos, you know, when all all of us are together as a family, put phones away. But it can actually be torture. (laughs) <laughs> you know that I even find it, you know, that I, I actually sometimes have to force myself after Shabbos not to go straight to my phone because of, uh, one, you know, wanting to know who I've missed. Or <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to sort of demonize social media. I think there are amazing opportunities for connection within that, but not mm. at the risk of losing what it is to have a one-on-one interaction mm. with somebody. You know, that, that, and it's that touch and that connection. I, I heard a lovely story the other day about the Invictus Games. 
for paraplegics. And it was a, a couple, uh, two men who were, were in these games and they were playing tennis in wheelchairs. And all of a sudden, a, a helicopter went overhead and the one who had been in a, a paratrooper and very badly uh, paralyzed in, a, in an explosion froze in the game, absolutely froze. Just then, his partner went over. He put his arms around him, his, mm. his, uh, his partner, and he started singing from Frozen. Um, uh, it's that beautiful song. I'll think uh, of it in a okay. minute. And the, the two of them started singing it together. <laughs> and it was that touch. He held mm. him as mm. they sang. And it was that touch that actually broke that post-traumatic stress reaction that he had gone into, mm. which was the, he would frozen himself. And they went on to win the match, mm. which it was a, the most beautiful story about how, how touch is a, such a human need and mm. can save a person. Sure. Uh, it was, it, let it go from, you, yes. you know that song, let yes. it go from yes. frozen. Yeah. Having so. said that, just to interrupt one minute, just to, in terms of this generation of children and the way they communicate, while there is a lack of one-on-one -on -one communication and physical, like, actually talking to one another, they, they do communicate, they do have an emotional connection over WhatsApp in a way that we don't. It's something that we don't understand because we aren't them. It is a very strange thing to see because they'll sit next to each other. They'll sit next to each other. They don't pass notes anymore. That they don't do. They WhatsApp in your class. So they'll WhatsApp each other the note. So you can never catch the note. Thank goodness. <laughs> you confiscate it. Or you can't confiscate <laughs> it. You can't catch it. You don't do it. That's, that's all. That's those, those days are gone. But they WhatsApp each other. They will even WhatsApp each other while they're next to each other instead of speaking. Mm. But they're still communicating. So the touch and the actual communication and the nonverbal communication still happens. But the actual verbal communication, often, they still do it on their phone, which I find completely bizarre, but it <laughs> is the way they communicate. And they will very indignantly say, we're still talking. What is annoying is when you are talking to somebody and they're talking to somebody else at the same time that they say they're talking to you. That's rude. Mm. And that's where you have to teach them a kind of etiquette. Mm. And manners, which they don't have. You. Yes. That they're lacking in spades, I'm afraid. <laughs> what What is the policy at at King David on on phones? Are they not allowed them? Mm. Doesn't mean that they don't have them. They're just not allowed them. Well, not in class. In class, they're not allowed them in class. So, a lot of teachers have a policy: when you walk in, you put your phone in the teacher on the teacher's desk. Sometimes, like in my class, I need them to use their phones. Like I need them to research something. Then I need them to go on the Internet. Then I tell them to take out their phones and mm. use their phones. Mm. So mm. it's a little bit of a balancing act. But in terms of using their phones to phone someone or to answer a message or to check their social media, or they're not allowed to use them during a lesson, obviously. Um, um, and my, a niece of mine was telling me about her uh, daughter who's at a, a private uh, girls' school in Natal. And they, uh, when they come to school, they have to put, there's a big basket and they all have to put their phones mm. in there. And at lunch break, when they go for lunch, because they all have lunch in, mm. in uh, 
an area, they're allowed their phones. And apparently there's this absolute scramble for the phones. And initially they they protested about having to Mm. hand their phones in. But now it's become almost a relief apparently Mm. that they they know nobody's going to bother them. Mm. They're not going to be bullied. Nothing's going to happen like that during school time. And at at break, I mean Mm. at lunchtime they can look and then it goes Mm. back. Into the basket. I actually again. read a study the other day that said that there is, there was some evidence to say that no phones at school is beneficial to education. Even like the way that I sometimes I make them use their phones, it's not it's not the best. It's mm. not the best mm. idea. But mm. so you know, there is Look, something to be said li- for that. There really well, is. We are living in a different world, aren't very we? Much. Mm. Very okay. much so. Yeah. It's something we do have to negotiate and embrace mm. in a lot of respects. Now, Karen, going back to mental awareness in the youth, what would you say are the main areas to look out for, for parents to actually see, which we often miss? Mm, I think that's a a big question. It is. um, I think changes in behavior is is one thing. So um, when you start seeing, for example, that you're – child is increasingly withdrawn or or, or or quite a lot of mood changes and ups and downs and things that are different um, from what you've been seeing before. Um, changes in eating, changes in sleeping, changes in amount of time studying, um, interaction with the family and with friends. Um, yeah. I would also look out for suicidal ideation. Are they saying anything? I mean, very often they won't, mm-hmm. so it's very hard to pick up on. But but definitely um, if somebody's expressing that, then that's a warning sign as well. I think for younger children, often it's it's in anger. It's in anger towards others, to hurting others. Uh, as they become older, it's hurting themselves, isn't it? It's more self-harm. Well, we see both. So you Mm. do see self-harm. And sometimes when we are not managing what's going on inside us, it's much easier to turn that outward and, um, and to find issues with somebody else. Mm. So certainly if you're going, if you, you know, all of a sudden your, your teen is having increased difficulty with friends and there's conflict in those relationships, I I would also be looking at that as well. Also a change in performance at school. of sport and academic performance, those are warning signs. Lethargy, definitely, often. Mm. definitely. Their friends. What did you say about friends? And who they're associating with? If mm. there's a change in their friends, yes. who they're seeing, who they want to see, who they're hanging out with. If there's like that kind of thing, mm. also. Is mm. A very hard thing with teenagers because mm. naturally we know that they are drifting a little bit from their parents, and they, I have. You know, teenagers myself, and they tell their parents less and less. Mm. So sometimes it is harder, but but just to keep our eyes and ears open, and just to have an awareness, and to keep the channels of communication open, mm. so that they know that they can talk to us, and that we're not going to respond in the judgmental way, but with acceptance and with love. I think that's absolutely huge. What you've just said, quite honestly, is that acceptance that they're not going to be judged by us no matter what it is because I think so often a youth um, are are hiding behind a sense of shame and guilt yes, and often it's a self 
shame. It's a self-guilt. Yes. If you really unpack it, it's not something that you would say will be ashamed of. It's their own sense yes. of shame. And it's very deep. And it's, yes, and mm. it's often a misguided feeling. Yeah. And, and they do feel that they deserve to be punished. Yeah. And, and a lot of that goes into the self-harm, the OCD, the obsessive compulsive mm. behaviors. Um, and also, I think shame is a feeling that you just haven't lived up to your own expectations or the expectations of others. But when you actually talk to others, it's not their expectations. No, not at all. No. Yeah. And, you know, we, we live in a, in a world and in a community where there's a great deal of emphasis on achievement in many, many ways. And I guess what we sometimes see is when somebody doesn't feel that they can measure measure up in those terms in inverted commas they sort of turn counterculture mm, so mm. um they do things in in rebellion um and i i just feel it's so so important that that particularly teens feel that they can say to their parents you know different things are important to me or i did something last night that maybe wasn't the best thing but i need to share it with you that they can have those open, courageous conversations mm-hmm. with their families, mm-hmm. that they're no holds barred. And even though parents might say, okay, I'm not happy you did that, but I still love and accept you, and, and how can I help you? So it's that unconditional love and acceptance. It is, and I think shame is often reflected in um, the ideals held by religion, yes, schools, communities, yes, <clears throat> especially if you're looking at gender identity. And I think, I don't know if you're finding this, but I certainly am seeing a lot of, of confusion in, in gender identity. Do you feel that at school? I think there is a lot of confusion around gender identity, and I think there's a lot that we're trying very hard to break the stigma around that as well and to have and acceptance around that. So, can I say the gay space? Do you think? Okay, so in our school, we have... Deb's <laughs> checking you can say something with Karen. No, well, I just... Um, so, we, we have a gay-straight alliance in our school, which was um, launched a few years ago and relaunched this year. What is that? Just it's a, explain It's called it. a gay-straight alliance, which is a... It's a safe space in our school for children who want to just to have a space to speak. It's not a space to come out. It's a space to learn. A forum. A forum to learn. So kids who want to know about what it means to be gay and what it means to be straight and who it's kids who support people who are different. We'll go back to that in a moment. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, my guests today are Bev Miller and Karen Horowitz from King David High School in Linksfield. And right now we're going to be listening to a a YouTube, and I've just said to them they've got to listen very carefully, you know, as a teacher says to their pupils, uh, to this. It's on the power of self-compassion, and it's by Kristen Neff. Hi, Kaz. Hi, Shelley. As you know, we are producing a course called The Power of Self-Compassion. So we're just talking to people today about how they treat themselves. Do you have a critical voice? And if so, what do you find it saying to you? I definitely have a critical voice. Um, I think everybody does. Um, And I think they all start from when you're a kid. So, you know, I think all the things that my parents said, I hear, but it's normally about not doing a good job, 
It's constantly stopping me as I try to complete thoughts or try to make steps forward. It's a voice that always tells me that I'm not enough or that um, I need to do better or that there's something about me that I have to change. When you fail or make a mistake, what types of things run through your mind? I'm not worthy. Everybody's going to see my mistake. Nobody else makes mistakes like I do. You're stupid. I can't believe you forgot something easy. This was basic. Why are you having so much trouble doing something so simple? People don't want me around, that I'm uh, uninteresting, boring, and or just too weird for people's company. It says that I like should have done better and Sometimes it says mean words about myself. Uh, it's probably the loudest thing that's usually coming through my head before anything else is at least ringing that failure over and over again. And let me give you a scenario where a friend of yours comes to you, has made a mistake, and what would you say to that friend? Well, the first thing I would tell them that it's okay. We don't, you don't need to feel all the weight of this. Most likely you're holding on to this more tightly than anybody else. This in no way, you know, reflects your character or reflects your ability to do something. Definitely a lot kinder to my friends than I am to myself. How do you think you would change if you used that same voice that you used towards your friends on yourself during those moments of failure and mistakes? I think it would be, you know, incredible because, um, you're not going to talk to your friends the way that you talk to yourself sometimes. And I think that if you're constantly um, kind of reassuring yourself and letting yourself know that you are enough, then your thought process will change. When you treat yourself like you do somebody else, you start feeling better, I think, right away. And you keep it in context much more instead of letting things be blown out of proportion. I think I would have a lot less anxiety in my day to day. I think there would be uh, kind of a weight lifted. It would definitely make me feel better and happier because when I usually say like when that voice that says mean stuff in my head, I usually am not really happy and sad. How could the world look differently if we were more compassionate towards ourselves? I think the world would work better. I think um, through compassion and self-compassion, we all would just recognize that we're all human. As a society, we could learn to love one another and show that love on a regular basis. I think that this world would be perfect. There's a saying that if you love yourself, then you can love others. Well, sometimes I, I believe it goes in the reverse and that if you can show that compassion that you show to others and bring it into yourself, I think that's where true growth can happen. I think it would be magical. Um, I mean, that's really the only word for it. Magical to be able to um, reflect on ourselves from a place of love rather than criticism. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson, only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is Sue Jackson, and I'm back with Karen Horowitz and Bev Miller. And we've just been listening to a really fantastic uh, YouTube on self-compassion. And we've all been nodding at each other because I think we all recognize that voice inside our heads, that internal voice that often distorts our thoughts and our, our own self-image. Karen, you were nodding your head so I said to you, I'm going to ask you a few questions. <laughs> you <laughs> thought you were going to get off. <laughs> now, if your compassion does not include yourself, then it is pretty incomplete, isn't it? 
we can so often be compassionate towards other people but not towards ourselves. We are our own worst critics. Do you agree? For sure. And that's actually where a lot of mental health issues come in. When we're, when we expect perfection from ourselves or when we're not okay with the fact that we didn't do things fantastically always or we messed up or things didn't go the way we wanted it to, what often happens is we turn that inward, we beat ourselves up, um, feel bad about ourselves, but then also lose anything that we can learn from the experience, which I feel is the biggest pity. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can stop the tape running through our head and and think a little bit about, I mean, exactly what the clip spoke about. I mean, Kristen Neff and the self-compassion movement is, you know, very much where it's at worldwide, which is wonderful, mm-hmm. actually. Um, but if we can say, okay, so it didn't, it didn't go so great. I did my best. And, and what can I learn and how can I move forward? Um, we really are poised to, to work on ourselves rather than beating ourselves up. So it's actually understanding ourselves more, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And to know that we are human. Um, To be human does not mean to be perfect and to be perfect all the time. It means to get things right, to make mistakes, to be able to own those, to take responsibility for our lives. But if we're too brittle and defensive, we're unable to get past those barriers and actually learn anything and to grow ourselves as human beings. So it starts with self-compassion. It really does. And you know, what you're saying actually reminds me also of a story by Rabbi Tversky. You've probably heard it about the lobster. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the growth of a lobster and how as a lobster grows, it's got this outer shell, which is very hard. But each time it grows, it has to expand and it loses its shell. And when it loses its shell, it actually goes into a place of safety. It sort of hides itself for a while because it's very vulnerable right. and soft until it, a new shell begins to grow. And I think this happens throughout our lives, that no matter what stage we are at, sometimes we actually have to, we are losing that shell of of that particular stage of our lives, and we're having to go inwards and refine, you know, re-identify who we are, what our needs are, what our purpose is, and build that shell, allow that shell to begin to grow again. You have to, and also to learn, to learn a new vocabulary of positive self-talk. Basically, mm. that's what we have mm. to learn to do for ourselves I of like each, that. of I each, like that. of each stage. Mm. So like what we're trying to teach our grade nines at the moment is the self-talk to try and teach them not to fall into anxiety. So like we're working with anxiety now and trying to show them how to turn what's in your head when you're anxious to turn it around and change the self-talk. About anxiety for themselves to pull themselves out of an anxiety spin, say for example. But so when you get older, that kind of self-talk, has, for, as you say, when you when you move into the next stage, that has to change because mm. you're moving to the next stage. So you're growing, and your needs will change, and your needs for yourself, what you did when you were 15, will be easy, and then when you're 16, it will be different. And so you're going to have to move to the next stage, and then those. The things that you could do when you were 15, now you need to learn the next one. So I think it's every year of your growth you're going to have to learn. And I think that's something that is something to consider to, to work with with the kids is something to, to turn it around like that and maybe call it that even would that's be quite nice. nice. I like that. Mm. This is Finding Human with Sue Jackson.
only on 101.9 High FM. Hello, the time is going very quickly and I've been very privileged to have Bev Miller and Karen Horowitz in my studio with me today. It's been really great having you both. But Bev, I just want to go back to the awareness assembly for a moment. And they spoke about the semicolon and also the, the, the wall. Why don't you just exp- explain the wall to me first? Okay, so should we first go to the semicolon? Okay. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the concept of the semicolon, I'm not quite sure who coined the phrase or who invented it, but it is a mental health awareness symbol where they say that for somebody who is suffering or who feels that they, they're at the end of their life, the semicolon is the symbol like a writer says, your story's not finished. They, end, they could end the sentence, but they choose not to. So they don't put a full stop. They put a semicolon because they're not finished their story. So your life isn't finished. So if you think your life is finished and you're going to end it, you should look at the semicolon and think about it and realize that actually your story is not done. There's more to tell. There's still some there's still some life left in you, and you should try and live it and try and look at the other side of your story, the rest of your story. Isn't that beautiful? Try and live the rest of your story. So that, live your that's future the pur- that's, as well. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the purpose. That's a me. Well, that's the meaning that I take from the semicolon. So we have put a semicolon on the wall in memory of Adam Seif. Okay, Lots of people beautiful. are actually putting tattoos of a semicolon on their wrists so that they remind themselves that their story is not finished, which is that's like a symbol. That's no. like one of the new things mental to do. Awareness yes, symbol. a mental awareness symbol to put a ta- like to put a semicolon as a symbol to that's remind beautiful. yourself that you're not done. Don't don't do something, don't do something drastic to yourself because your story is not done. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And then, okay. and then the wall just the wall is a there's a set of affirmations, positive statements that have been lots and lots of sources of positive statements. So we've put them like in um what are they? Like perspex. All down the wall, down the stairwell, in memory of Adam, but they are actually positive affirmations oh, for children to read to build them as they walk down the stairs. They walk past there every single day. So they see the semicolon, your story is not finished, and then all the reasons why your story is not finished. You are amazing, you are fantastic, you are all the affirmations down the road, down the stairs. That's beautiful. Yeah. I see there's a message come through from um, Australia yeah. from Judy Erwig. Hi, Sue, Beb, and Karen. You, yes, self-compassion and self-forgiveness are of utmost importance, but definitely requires practice. Another Viktor Frankl quote that I like, and no d- doubt you do too, Sue, is, what is to give light must endure burning. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jude. We have to wrap up now, but we actually are going to be ending with a beautiful song, and that is You'll Never Walk Alone by Jerry and the Pacemakers. Thank you so much, Bev, and thank you, Karen. It's been an absolute privilege for me to have you both. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. There's so much more to be said, and we will do it again. Thank you. Thank you, Craig.